What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode 273. My name is Steve, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Ron and John. There you guys are. You're there. I see you, and I hear you, and I appreciate you both. Steve, I don't know. Do you still listen to the show Blank Check sometimes? With yeah. The... yeah. They recently uh, had a similar moment that we have where like, <laughs> they were talking about like Dave Sims and Griffin Newman, who host that yeah. show. You yeah. can tell that Dave Sims said, and I'm Dave Sims, on cue. And then after that, they joked about it and laughed about it. You did it this time. It was right on time. So we're not the only people who oh, in these man. distance podcasts have, have, are, are feeling like odd pride over getting the timing of saying our names. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are slightly more professional than we are, or at least they, yeah. they seem to make money off of it. So, yeah. And, and much like LeBron James in the bubble, we've adjusted and we've won a championship. Yes. Wow. Right. Yeah. Wow. And the championship yeah. ring is that we said our names in the right rhythm. Yeah, man. That requires less effort in the edit that will come later <laughs> to make it line up. It's something big. It's something big for society. It's big for America. Absolutely. So how's everybody doing? Pretty good, man. You know, Pretty good. That's good, man. It's another week. Um, as the as the months approach and we get to the end of the year, there's a lot to think about. But one thing I will say, and now I don't mean to get political, please register to vote. Please vote. That's all. <laughs> you, yeah. sound, Nothing... you, you sound locked and loaded like you had that waiting. You're like, I actually you're like... didn't. You know, I, I've been very much like in the flow, man. Uh, yes, and about things, you know? Yeah. I don't know. In these days and times, you have to be. It's so weird. <laughs> things are so weird. You kind of just got to be yes, and about everything. One yeah. is one big, long improv show. <laughs> yeah. Weird. No. So yes, vote, folks. Vote, vote please. <clears throat> vote, please. I don't know. Is that political? I guess that's political. It is, man. You know, here, here's the thing. Everything's political. Whether I know. If wearing a mask is political, then I political. guess voting is political too. But it yeah. just seems like, yeah. I've had conversations about that. You know, um, you know, I do, I do stand up, and you realize that. Any any stance that you take, whether it's light or heavy, is a is a stance of some sort. So that by default makes by it sort of political. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a, if you're like, I'm not going across the street, and everybody's like, Oh, there's a public statement. That's political, man. It's very <laughs> weird, but it is. It is a fact that came up in a documentary that I guess we'll be talking about later. But just the idea that. Um, not wearing a mask could be seen as pro-president and yep. patriotic to some people. Yes. That just goes to show you how through the looking glass we are in yeah. 2020. Yeah. But It's very strange. Yes. I hope I, I hope I didn't offend three people that listen to the we show. We just lost but, yeah, all, I know. all of them. Oh, they're like, oh, screw this. Let's just go ahead and make it clear to those people that might be listening. This is an anti-Trump podcast. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd yeah. say so. At this point, at this point, I'd say it's anti-Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't say that for. We only have a couple more episodes. We can I know. Say Wouldn't that. it be awesome if in a few Man. weeks that's like wow. a a dead subject? It's, but, a, it's a yeah afterthought. Yeah. So, but if that guy loses, do you think November to January is going to be like a really touchy time for our country in terms of the antics that could ensue? I mean, yes, honestly. absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, I've never, I'd never done this before. I'm not going to be in town for the election. Uh -huh. We're like leaving. I've never felt like that before, but I've had like three people 
of all different like <clears throat> roles in my life, friends to like therapists was like, hey, why don't you find your way out of town? I've never had anybody say anything like that to me before. So <laughs> we booked we booked a place that's not here and we're going to we're going to get away. That's good. Good. We're going to get away. But we're so, good though. That's yes. good. Yes, we're all that's good. good. We're, we're, we're all good. good. We're all still healthy. I didn't mean to say it like we're no, like we're good. No, yeah. we're good. No, no. no. It's it's good to have that check in. I I want you guys to know I've been I've continued my bubbling. Uh, Henry did go hang out with a friend, but he wore a mask supposedly. I don't know when you leave a couple of kids hanging out. <laughs> um, but I have also quarantined my son. He's not allowed to come inside for another eight days. <laughs> and if he comes near the house, you just throw eggs at him. Yeah, we just throw just like when I was a kid. You just throw a sandwich out the door. <laughs> you do have a nice shed in your backyard, though. That he, I'm you sure do. he's fine in. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. You're you're a good dad, John. Yeah. Yeah. I like to hear that. I like to hear people say that. And I try to make sure that that's the impression people have in public. <laughs> I do like that. Idea. Until right until Henry writes his memoirs, I think my, my reputation <laughs> as a good dad is 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 uh it's, I don't know if it's safe, but it's out there, you know. Yeah. I'm saying it. And now you too. <laughs> But this is a little bit of a grab bag episode. We've watched yeah. a few things. Do we want to hit any of this major news that's been happening? I know you guys have traded a couple of links today. Yeah, in the, in why the don't Facebook we, why chat. Don't we... Should we just mention a couple of those things before yeah, we jump into we our first thing that, that we watched? <clears throat> well, the, let's talk about the big Netflix announcement. Uh, the huge, every star that you can think of is going to be in this. I, I, I just, I still can't believe it. Maybe Steve, you should touch on it. I, yeah, I mean Adam McKay. I mean, I think this this is this movie, this Don't Look Up film that Adam McKay is producing and you know doing with Netflix. Jennifer Lawrence has been attached to it for a while, mm-hmm. but um, as some other names, I think Rob Morgan's been on it for a while. But there's been a lot of reporting back and forth of like some big names like circling this project, Mo- most notably Leonardo DiCaprio. And you know, there was all this conversation about you know he's one of the last like a-list mega stars res- mad respect big box all you know he's the he's one of the guys left like one of those celebrities left mm. that hasn't um kind of done a streamer you know a streaming feature narr- narrative feature you know he's got some docs that he's done on on netflix and other platforms but you know his star power really um has been absent from them uh in general but you know he's working with scorsese on uh, the killers of the flower moon which is coming through apple i believe and now today they announced we were we're recording this on a Wednesday, but they just kind of announced this ridiculous cast for Don't Look Up. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Timothy Chalamet, Ariana Grande, Himesh Patel. Uh, like I said before, Rob Morgan. I mean, this is like a yeah. bonkers cast. Jam packed. And, and it's, um, you know, Adam McKay does have a pretty big draw in terms of the level of stars that he gets in his movies. These ensemble casts you know what what level role they all have in this in this story is to be seen but um just the idea you know what a get for netflix and um really across the board like just literally in terms of the kinds of actors producers writers who who's done certain kinds of movies or who haven't been in this kind of movie um it's just like one of the most well-rounded ensemble type big releases that I think they've ever announced. Mm-hmm. And um, for them to be able to kind of say, yeah, Leo's going to be in this is, is it's official, you know, and 
it's it's big, man. It's really really exciting too. Because I mean, I I love Adam McKay uh, just yeah. about as much as I love anybody announced in this cast, and um, huge Leo fan. Um, and just God, this is just an awesome, awesome pairing, awesome ensemble. You know, whatever whatever comes of it when it comes out. I think I think it's supposed to come out late next year, but okay. um, yeah, don't look up. And I, what is they have like a one liner. Uh, two low-level astronomers who embark on a media tour to warn mankind of an approaching asteroid that will destroy Earth. And, I, you know, that sounds awesome. Like yeah, it for does. an Adam McKay movie with that level of star. Um, <laughs> well, it seems like Adam McKay, I'm honestly seeing a lot of opportunity talk about getting political. This oh, idea sure. of do we believe the scientists or not? Yeah. 100%. Do, do we... Do we are we going to destroy ourselves if we don't, you know, yeah. like, I think that's that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, if Adam McKay is entering into that phase where he's doing very political films, something that has like a, an interesting narrative that's outside of the facts, that's outside of like rip from the headline stuff. That sounds like a, to me, a very fruitful possibility, a mix of a fanciful storyline, but one that could definitely instantly have that, that connection to what we're talking about right now uh, in our country. So that's, yeah, that sounds really cool. Absolutely. And then I know I'm not the biggest Dexter fan, but I know we got some Dexter fans on the show. They just announced that's coming back for a for another season, essentially. Right. Or a miniseries. Is that the yeah. is that the word on that limited series? And it, and it seems to be coming to show. There's no date, though. Did you see a date attached to it? Uh, I think it said they were it would start shooting early 2021 to come out in the fall, fall. of 2021. So that's yeah, that's super interesting, yeah. especially considering the ending that Dexter had. I mean, it's it's listed as one of the worst endings in television history, but it was a very good show. So I think the idea of, of just throwing the show away because of an ending is a little silly. That happened to Game of Thrones. It happened, yes, it happened exactly. to a show as big as that. I, I, I've right. actually wanted to pick that subject up with you guys about how, like, imagine the way people talk about Game of Thrones now versus just a couple of years ago. That ending really squandered that show. But, you know, the fact that Dexter is coming back, I think that would be the main reason to come back. Right. Would be to do a yeah. little bit of like correct the reputation of the show. Yeah. Go, yeah. go out the way you would you know, the way you would want to, but no, it's amazing. An ending really can. And I think we've even talked about that before that we don't necessarily agree with it, but even in my mind, it can happen to us something. If it doesn't quite stick the landing, you sort of go, well, what was that all about? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, lost is also another example, you know, to, to, to think that it wasn't a thing that it was. And then, yeah. you know, but yeah, I, a, lot, I'm, I'm, a lot of these epic shows, like these landmark historical shows, there's more than a handful that, you know, for good or for bad, wherever you fall on that on that seesaw, like the endings, the finales were not, you know, unanimously beloved, like, you know, Sopranos, like, you know, a lot of shows just have these endings that just like, you know, people talk about, which is good, but maybe not in a good way. Um, but Dexter's definitely agreed. Like one of them, I the first three to four seasons of Dexter uh, were just phenomenal. I love that show so much. Yeah, uh, I just recently rewatched. Uh, the first three seasons, man, it's one could argue they're almost perfect, man. It's just a, a very good show with a lot yeah, the, of dynamic. The one characters. season with the the one season with the Lithgow, the Trinity Killer, that oh, season, that season yeah. is perfect. It's yeah, that, so good. That's a great season. Um, yeah, definitely um, the best of the show, I think. But yeah, good news. I'm, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I mean, too, I, I love the character. I love the the angle of the show. Um, yeah, agreed though. Very curious to see if they kind of. If they, I don't know, like if they just kind of pick up and go with where the show ended or if they kind of 
What if it's all about him making it? his way as a lumberjack? Yeah, well, I I watched that too. I'm out. I'm not. You're out. <laughs> no, nah, dude, I'm out. You almost look like Steve you were going like to walk away. Yeah, no. dude. No, no I, I want to see. Like, I want to see him get back up to you know the old ways. And, and, yeah, you know, me see too. See how, how creatively they can uh, work in some characters that um, stayed and some that went at the end of the show. So yeah. Um, I'd sent one to you guys earlier. I'm curious if they pursue that, but I saw, yeah, I, yeah. even from, from not religiously watching the show, I know enough to know that that would be kind of a cool, yeah, a cool way to mark a new phase for the character, your theory. Yeah. yeah. And we know Steve, he's got these theories. This Dewey <laughs> did it theory about scream five is starting to take root in my brain. So. Little, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah we'll we'll talk more about that. Absolutely. So maybe Deb's um, going to do it. That would be my only. Uh, that would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, other other cool news. Um, Amazon has purchased uh, Coming to America for two from Paramount. Right. For $125 million. Um, this is huge, man. I think that we, uh, there's, there's kind of this talk that we've had pretty, pretty frequently about where are these movies that are kind of in between, you know, not not super duper blockbusters. But very valuable properties. Where are they going to go if yeah. movie theaters aren't open? And you have a film that has a very storied history of being very popular in the cultural zeitgeist. This thing is coming out on Amazon Prime in December, um, the same around the same time that the original was supposed to come out. Um, and it seems that there's some there's some marketing attached to it that Amazon might be taking on as well, related to McDonald's. And some alcohol company Crown, or something. Crown Royal, was it? Crown Royal. Crown Royal, yeah. So the idea that a McDonald's could become a McDowell's somewhere near us is so enticing. Just yeah. to go there and take a picture. They have like um, a pop-up somewhere, COVID-friendly. Oh, oh, yeah, because yeah, they, um, they had one in California yeah. for a spot that was really cool. But, I, you know, I'm not going in. I will be outside taking a picture and I'll get back in my car and leave. <laughs> All right. See you later. Um, but incredible news, man. This is this is a big property that is getting that's found a home. Um, so have we talked? We, did we talk about soul? Oh, uh, no, not 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 yet. I don't think real quick, though. Oh. I wanted to just say about sure, sure. The coming to America. Mm-hmm. The um, the interesting thing with that is like Paramount has been very proactively doing this with a lot of their titles, like in, in this pandemic, like, you know, they did it with lovebirds. Um, I can't remember if they have that. Uh, oh my God. What's the guy's name from maze runner? Um, Dylan O'Brien. I, I can't remember if he has, if they released that, that like monster monster love or something that's coming out in a couple weeks. Mm. Uh, one video. I think that was them. I know lovebirds was, and that went to Netflix, but this this is like a big thing, like you said, Ron. Like this is this is a property. This is IP. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think it really is showing, like you know, again, we talk about it all the time, but just some of this consolidation of what some of these studios are able to do financially. And I mean, I think taking a buyout like that at that that number is is pretty interesting. Whether it's, I, I, I'm assuming it's a good decision financially for them. Um, and for it to go to Amazon, I mean, that's a, a bit of a different move. Um, it is interesting, though, because, like, you know, also a Borat coming out in a couple of weeks that is a Fox property that, you know, is now Disney property that right. Disney would never release. And, right. you know, here comes Amazon to to release it. So, you know, in, you know, alternating months, months they have two huge comedy properties coming out on their platform. 
yeah. available to their subscribers. So, I mean, it's a good move for them. I mean, it's a big win for Amazon for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it would be cool if, if there is more marketing tied to some of these releases because that's one thing I think you do feel is missing from some of these titles that do come to a streaming platform is that some of that traditional marketing and those you know third-party tie-ins like you mentioned – um, they're not as prevalent. Um, there may be some here and there, depending what the property is. But for the most part, there's really not a lot at all, if any. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, so coming to America, you know, the Eddie Murphy as a brand, like it, it's got to matter a lot to them to get that. And at that price to like really not capitalize on it would be um, a huge wasted opportunity. So I, I look for that to be pretty successful for them. Same. Well, you mentioned Disney, Steve. They also just sort of announced in a vague sense that they're restructuring their whole model towards like making streaming more important, not necessarily trumping the theatrical yeah. uh, model, but it, it does sound like they're they're saying they're going beyond what they've done recently, which was to announce moving back a lot of titles so that they can come out in the theaters next year. But they also announced this. I don't know if does it sound to you kind of deliberately vague, but it's like as though they're saying there's a major corporate restructuring that right. they're going to go through right now because they see the viability uh, and maybe the inevitability of the the the, you know, video on demand model. Um I mean, I don't know if that means any of these movies that have been given new dates are going to be reshuffled off to the the streaming service. But it's an interesting thought that that still seems like they're leaving the door open to take one of those potentially major theatrical movies and 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 releasing it at home. I guess that's what they did with Mulan. Um, but I think we all talked about and we kind of agreed Mulan may have gotten a bit of a bump almost out of this type of release that it maybe never would have been the theatrical smash that something like say black widow uh right, could be right. uh, but i don't know that i'm that sure about black widow being a theatrical smash either so i don't know yeah, like yeah. What, like what do you think that means steve i know you sent us the article i think it's interesting that they're saying it but but i mean if we read between the lines what are they what are they really saying <clears throat> i just think it's i just think they're saying that that's the priority now is that you know this is something that is not an an afterthought or it's and it, and it kind of it's not groundbreaking only because like Disney Plus is is the future for them. I think that's kind of how they promoted the service when they announced it. That's kind of how they, you know, went with it when it came out last year. Um, you know, the fact that they hit their five-year streaming goal in eight months, like that, that is them going after it, underestimating probably, you know, th- those numbers a little bit. But, you know, I think the last earnings call, I want to say it was like 60 or 61 million subscribers already. So... That's incredible. That's kind of what they're going after. They're going after what Netflix is doing, but to be Disney and to have the opportunity to still utilize theatrical. But if you have a streaming platform that even gets to half of what Netflix (laughs) is and or more, you know what I mean? Like Netflix, I think, is at 200 million uh, ballpark. So it's just like it's 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 not that it is anything really that different from what I've read. I mean, it's a little like oversold from the additional reporting that I've read. It's really just reiterating that they do believe that the streaming platform that they have developed and are cultivating really is the priority for the company. And that's just not talking about film releases. That's talking about like their theme parks and their everything. You know, when they look at what's been affected by COVID, by the pandemic, where their losses are happening, where they're, you know, having to lay off employees, things like that, you know, this, this, this area of their business model is basically like bulletproof in ways, you know, like they can always develop, they can, they can release these things 
anytime they want, you know, in terms of them being made. But um, I just kind of really think it's just a really them putting their foot down in a way and just saying that, you know, this is not like a side thing that we have. Like we don't really, they, they don't really have the big hits there beyond the Mandalorian and some of their original, you know, animation stuff. Maybe they have a couple of really great docs on there, but they don't really have that hit on the platform, you know, beyond like putting Hamilton out or, you know, putting, um, you know, the Mulan premiere release, things like that. Uh, I really do think that it's them trying to get the idea across that it's not going to be a, it's not going to only be a, you know, after three months in theaters, these big titles are coming here. Like we've done it a couple of times already this year, but I think more are coming. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, Ronald, they announced Pixar, the soul movie. It's coming out on Christmas day yeah. directly on Disney plus, not the premiere, like just the standard subscription, just like they did with Hamilton. Um, That's awesome. And that yeah. is that is that is a that is a sample of that. I think that's a big that is a big movie. Okay, that might that's be good. the movie I was just asking about because right. that because yeah. that's not be. even taking a be. chance with it as the PVOD. That's not even taking right. a yeah. chance with it like they did Mulan. That's basically saying, "All right, folks, you've been a subscriber. Here's why you're a subscriber. It's because you're going to get it. this." You yeah. know. Yep. I, w I wanted to mention one more thing. The day that that was announced, they also um, converted a large chunk of the movies that were in high definition in the Apple store to 4k. Yeah. That's a big move because for years you could buy a 4k version of a Disney movie on a service like, um, movie, uh, Google, Google play or something like that. Now that they've moved it there, they're making a clear statement about how they want their movies to be seen, the quality they wanted to be seen, and how they're going to be distributing it. So they're like, look, right. here's a chunk of our movies in 4K, but you can go to Disney Plus and get all of these movies, everything yeah. in our back catalog that's available. If yeah. that's formatted for it, you can get it in 4K. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's huge, man. Like I, all my movies converted because I bought a bunch of Disney movies when they were on sale a couple months ago, all 4K on my TV. And the, and, the, and the quality is a little different between Disney Plus and Apple. I mean, just just to be you can finally honest. watch Oliver and Company in 4K <laughs> on your television. Are you, are you kidding me, John? Twice, <laughs> twice. But yeah, okay. So let's let's talk about the movie that w was brought up. Soul. Soul is the movie that. I mean, we were trying to figure out what would be the first movie. I, so we struck out Milan. We're like, Milan wasn't that movie. But Mulan also was released in a way that was a soft yes. step towards the yes. releasing it on their streaming service, which is to say that people still were paying a premium. And again, I still feel like that's the way forward for the biggest movies. I but so Soul too. is an interesting project because it's like, uh, I mean, content-wise, it feels like Pixar's trying to strike outside the norm and do something a little different. And the hype around it when the teaser was released was that this was going to be potentially something really different from Pixar, which could mean, you know, something that's going to take us all by storm because there have been a few Pixar movies that have done that, like pivot points where this one's really good, you know? Um, right. So I, it is a little bit strange to think that that movie is, is being sh shunted off this way. But I guess what we're getting at is we shouldn't think of it as being shunted off. We should That's think it. of it That's as like key. Disney says, no, this is like a, this is a jewel in our crown. And this is, yes. uh, this is one way to look at our crown is to come on Disney plus. It. And it might You're become right. the major way to look at their crown, you know? So though, that's interesting. <clears throat> yes. I mean, free getting the service is just a, you know, and, and then they lend itself to 
whenever the next movie comes out. Like, but it's suppose Soul is free, and maybe down the line Black Widow will cost. I mean, but but what that does is softens the blow of Milan. Mm-hmm. And makes it makes it a little possible for people to imagine themselves. Okay, well, this movie was this premium movie was free. Black Widow is going to be twenty dollars. I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, it's 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 cool the way they're doing it. It's smart, and I can't wait to see Soul. Anyway, I, yeah. even though I know I'm going to probably cry my eyes yeah. out. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, that's the this Pixar is, thing. This is, is going to be. I I I really am confident this movie is like not not like subpar Pixar. Like this yeah. is. Right. The early word where it's screened internationally is like highly, highly positive, like Mm. a next, a next, you know, like a next kind of generation, like John said, of Pixar, like that, that pivot point for what they're able to do. And mainly, I think that's because, and I'm sold on it just simply because Pete Doctor is involved in it. Mm -hmm. You know, he's made three of my favorite Pixar movies of all time, maybe a couple of my favorite movies, period, of all time. Mm. And he's a co-writer and director on this movie. And the trailer's great. The voice cast is incredible. And, um... It just looks really good, and I think it's what you said, John. Like this is not like, th- this is like, this is like the premiere thing right now. And I don't want to use the word premiere because that's what they call Milan. Like this is the <laughs> this is the real deal. Like this yes. is what you get when you buy our service. Like we're not going to just release things in theaters now, and you have to wait three or four months to get up to get them here, or six months or whatever it is. Or even in the case of Mulan, like waiting three months to get it for free with your membership. You know, like this is going to be something that they maybe mix it up with where. Some of the, especially movies that are like tailor made for their subscriber base, like yeah, Soul, a Pixar title, like even over Mulan, honestly, even over like a Black Widow, yeah. like a Pixar movie like this, like this is what Disney Plus really wants to be, because this is a movie that you know will surely probably be in an Oscar conversation. You know, this is a movie that people are going to be reviewing very positively, and I'm sure people that watch it are going to love it. So that's what they want people to be doing and, and not have to, like, you know, do anything outside of their membership. So you're hitting uh, us with WandaVision and Soul in one month. Yeah. Right. GTFOH. And also running through November and part of December is The Mandalorian. So we're going to have right. you know, that for eight weeks or whatever, too. So, no, I yeah. feel like this yeah. is going to be th- that whole question that we periodically have of, like, what kind of content is Disney Plus really putting out? I feel like the next few months are going to feel richer. Uh, yeah, in, right. in that sense. Absolutely. Um, Hope so. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, a streaming series that Steve and I are, are big fans of and that Steve's almost finished this, the second season. Do you call this the second season or the, are these two mini series? But the, the Haunting of Hill House, the team behind that has just put out The Haunting of Bly Manor on, uh, on Netflix. And Ronald has announced that he has no intentions of watching The Haunting of Bly Manor. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> so Steve and I have a chance to go ahead and uh, just chat about it. H- having not finished it, Steve, um, you still probably had that feeling when it when you realized you could sit down and watch it. Like, yeah. this is something I've anticipated. How how do you like uh, season two? Or as I'm saying, it's the it's kind of a if the haunting of is the show, then this is season two. But if you're gonna go with yeah. the full name, this is this is just like a sequel miniseries. But I should stress, right. if anybody out there listening doesn't know, it's the same team, including a lot of the same actors, but totally different story and no links, nothing to even suggest an interconnected universe. Um, along the nature of like what uh, R- Ryan Murphy has done with American Horror Story, nothing, nothing connected at all. It's its own thing. So, Steve, yeah. h- how did it strike you? What you've seen of uh, Bly Manor? I love it. I mean, um, stepping back for one second, Haunting of Hill House is like one of the best things ever to me. Like TV show, 
movie, like horror that we talk about all the time. Uh, we are huge fans of Mike Flanagan. Hopefully sometime we can get him on the podcast. Ooh. I'd love to talk to him. Yes. Um, he is just, uh, I don't know, the, the term masters of horror. Like I see people talking about that, about him. And I, I agree with that. I love him. We, we love him. And I think, you know, what he did with Hill House was just phenomenal. And, you know, going into seeing Haunting of Bly Manor, super excited to watch it. I may not love it as much as Hill House. I still think it's a great series for what I've seen. I've only got a, an episode and a half left. But um, it's just really just that craft. And it's the, the idea of not just going for the, the, the cheap scares and building out human emotion. And, and, this, and, and this season specifically, or this second whatever miniseries uh you know this this gothic romance type stuff like i just eat it up like i love it and i'm not even that super familiar with like the the source material that it's it's loosely or that's based on yeah, henry james's book turn of the screw which has been adapted a lot of times but i think one of the things it does in terms of poetic license is by calling it the haunting of bly manor and not calling it turn of the screw sure it sort it's of frees it up the haunting yeah. of hill house is the name of that classic book and if i had any complaint which is just a it's like an ancillary complaint about the that season is that it's a great season of television, but to me, it's an it's an only okay adaptation, adaptation. because it yeah, does something yeah, so yeah. different. This is yeah. kind of announces now the brand is the haunting of it's this style. They're going right, to overlay right. the scares with some human drama. They're going to try to get up in your feels, uh, and uh, it's something Mike Flanagan does is like pay off the sincere emotional yeah. state of his characters in the midst of the horror, um, and somehow he does it without to me taking too much steam out of the heart like there is a little bit you lose a little bit when you learn the story and the origin and the explanation you lose a little bit of the scares but yeah. in like in haunting a blind manor there's some stuff in that that the more you learn it gets more sad yeah and so dog, as it tilts totally. towards tragedy instead of horror it's like okay well now maybe i'm not as scared but what's replaced that is a feeling that's just as overpowering which is this this really despair uh, fueled uh, storyline. So yeah, it's an interesting mix. And Mike Flanagan, that seems to be kind of what he does. So much so yeah. that he has announced one of his projects he was working on now that he's talked about. He has said it's 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 meaner than my other horror. It's like it's got more of a horror ending. Like yeah. Doctor Sleep, Hill House, Bly Manor, they all pay off the like I said, your sincere feelings about the characters become more important in the in the end than the than the scary elements. So it'll be cool to see him do something truly nasty if he ever does. But right now he's the only person hitting those notes that I can yeah. think of that's doing it on the scale, right? Yeah, and I mean, and, and, and you know, it, it's like more of an environment, you know, watching this in the fall, like, you know, in this time of year, like this is just great marketing and timing for Netflix to release the season. Um, but I don't know. I, I really just love the show. Um, I love like you're right. Like when you really do realize how tragic the story is, it's still scary because to me, it's still scary because of just the human element of of these characters not knowing that they are going to be a part of this story. Right. Until it's until it's too late, basically. Right. They've gotten that, sucked that, into that's, something. That's like so sad, but it's also really scary. And, mm -hmm. and, and the way they ha they handle that with some of those scenes where you still do get those goosebumps and you get those you know both in, in an emotional way and also just some straight fear like some, there's some really great scary sequences uh, in the season so far and and, and some mind-bending stuff too like there's yeah. there's oh, one like yeah. causal loop time thing that's happening yeah, that's five. just like yep. when yep. it when it clicks in what's going on but in that moment don't you also become incredibly sympathetic oh, to my. those characters yeah. who are trapped in this situation it's like yeah, yeah it's 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 really 
It's really great. To me, this was in a year that didn't have a lot of these big blockbuster movies. This show coming out felt like felt like for our family, we like to go off to see yeah. the latest whatever. Yeah. Um, this was big. Me and Henry and Nikki were all like locked in and it was like, it's out. Oh, my God. You mean it's like appointment. You mean we can watch it all watch right it. now? And yep. the fact that it's the it's still a binge show and not a weekly show. Um, yep. it, it totally was like, you know, it was a fun weekend for us because we kept we all knew what we were. We were doing chores. We're doing this. We're doing that. But we're like, do you want to get you want to pick up on episode five? Yeah, we've got to do that, you know. <laughs> And there's are a few yeah. episodes that end in that way where you're like, oh damn it, I, I'm, there's no way I'm taking a pause now. Um, yeah. But I like to at least walk around the room or something because he he does a good job. Or the the people behind this show, I can't put it all to Mike Flanagan, but they do a good job of structuring episodes so that even if episodes don't stand out as singular episodes, there will be a punch in that last moment. And often the way the next episode picks up, it'll pick up with that moment, but it takes yep. you off with another character. Yeah. I feel like Hill House did that too. I think ultimately Bly Manor is almost a more, a better constructed, maybe more satisfying story on the plot level, on the narrative level. But I don't mm -hmm. know that anything can quite touch the, the emotional attachment yeah. I felt to the, the Crane family the in, in yeah. the first uh, season. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It ha you can't help but wonder what are they going to do next. Surely this is enough of a hit for Netflix that there'll be a haunting oh, yeah. of what. But now I'm wondering like what, what stories would I like to see put through this filter? Yeah, they're in the Mike Flanagan business. Uh, so I'm sure that's, that's going to be something that continues. I think the one I'm very excited to see Midnight Mass, which is what he's working on. I think that's what you're referring to. Oh, that might be the one that he said was yeah. truly, truly. Yeah. yeah. I've heard him say that a couple of times and I, I saw him tweet out like, you know, the, on Friday when this dropped that he's like, you know, finishing that series and, uh, just, you know, definitely excited to see that and anything he does. Just yeah. like I said, like he's, he's, he's a, he's a, um, ahead in our books yeah. i mean everything everything he does i'm super excited for him and where his career has gone and uh the fact that he has such a property on netflix that is like so popular and so so many fans of this show um i hope he keeps you know whatever, whatever he wants to do i hope he gets to do it because i just love i love that dude so much yeah if he's buzzworthy which he is like this show yeah you, absolutely you do feel the ripple through social media when it comes out yeah um uh yeah is he like one of the only like buzzworthy names like if you think about a name that's like a horror director name that people mention like i can't think of am i missing somebody else that's like jordan peele is, is hard james to... wan jordan yeah. peele okay. mike flanagan probably yeah. are the three that come to mind first yeah Good. and james wan's kind of like he's kind of fallen more into like a producer you know role for a lot of these horror properties that he mm -hmm. kind of you know has shepherded you know he still does some stuff with the conjuring and the you know insidious franchises but um He's kind of gone off into bigger films, but yeah, him, Peel, and uh, Flanagan are definitely probably the top three. And let's do give some level of recognition to the music on uh, The Haunting of dot, dot, yeah. dot. It's the Newton Brothers, I believe, is the, yeah. the, the yep. composing team behind it. It's a, yeah. it's a great theme. In the tradition of a great theme, they were the recurring themes from the first season have a different feel this time, but they're still hitting a lot of the same, like the melodies are there. But the way that music can be like, it, it is exactly what we were talking about in terms of the tone. It is simultaneously sad and beautiful and scary. And it has like just a, there's like these little minor chords that kick in that underneath a scene can either bring you into that character's feelings or it yeah. can bring you into that sense of, oh shit, what's about to happen? What are they about to see? Um, but it's, yeah, it's almost like it's that kind of score that goes against the mood because it's, it's so lush and melodic um, that sometimes you'd think it would, it would wreck the tone of a show like this. But I find myself really uh, like, Every time I would notice one of those little themes that I recognized from the first season, I was like, yeah, this is some of my favorite scoring that's been done in the last few yeah. years, too. So it's great.
So good. Can't wait to finish it. I'll circle I, back once I finish. Yeah, I was about to say I can't wait to see yeah, what you think yeah. of the 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 way this one ends. You'll you, maybe you'll know what I mean that it actually feels like more of a they set this story up and they slowly unveiled it and when you get to the end it's really it's almost an overexplained ending, but if you're looking for an explanation and a satisfying ending, it is it's a true ending. It's another story that ends and you go, "Okay, there's no reason to come back to these Love characters can't wait. at all." So. Can't wait. So that's Bly Manor. That, you're free, Ronald. We're, we're done talking about it. <laughs> okay. what, we, what, what did you see that you'd like to talk about? <clears throat> um, oh, before we talk about the two that we, we, we collectively seen, have either one of you seen the 40 year old version mm -mm. On, on Netflix? Man, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It feels like an evolved Spike Lee sort of she's got to have it sort of vibe. Um, I, I just, I, it, I can't say enough about it. It's just a very, very good movie that has a lot of beats that I just haven't seen before. Um, it's, it's, it's worth checking out, man. Rada Blank. That's right. Local. Well, I don't know about local, but part of the, she's from this area, was, right? Was local. She, so she's from New York. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to. Well, I mean, I, I saw her at a what I would. I hate to always call it local because it's like music and stand up. It's like it's local, but it's for the world. But this was at a at a a, a Baltimore based uh, comedy show that I saw her at. And I think it was one that you performed in. Yes, one of those which too, became so. a basis for some of the movie, uh, yeah. which is oh, really? really cool. Yeah, oh, that's cool. yeah. So she performed. A is song a character based on you, Ronald? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> then I'm not watching it. Never mind. <laughs> I'm no, opting out. No, it looks good. The trailer is really good, and it was it's a big so funny, hit in the man. festival circuit. So I can, yeah, I'm looking. I think I think you'll enjoy it. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the two that we we have seen together. Uh, I guess the first uh, is a documentary that kind of like the trailer had something like a hundred million views. It had like a weird amount of views for the first like twenty four hours that the trailer came out, um, and that's totally out of control. Yeah, which Alex is, Gibney's new COVID. Totally Era. under control. Yeah. Totally, under, totally control. under control. Yeah. Yeah. Not out of. That's, that's more <laughs> yeah, like. I'm it. so sorry. That's more uh, honest, right? It's taken yeah, yeah, from yeah. something Trump said about the the virus uh, back in the spring, saying that it was totally under control. Um, but yeah, what a. I mean, you saw it, Ronald. It, you you kind of just got sucked in seeing it all laid out like that. It it it's. <sighs> it's like without yeah. any, like Nikki said, my wife was watching it with me, and she said. This is it's interesting seeing this story laid out without all the noise, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, and, and I, if I'm not mistaken, your wife has a science background. Oh, she's right? an epidemiologist. At one point in the middle of this movie, I was like, "This is your world. These are people that you might." Right. You know, she 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 may have been on a conference call or in a meeting with some of the. You know, I mean, like she's right. she's not in that world, but she works for the federal government, and mm. she she is an epidemiologist. So for she was doing a lot of like, oh my god, yeah. I mean, you know, she she's she she stresses that. You'd have to really be acquainted with the data and on the inside of this to really like extrapolate anything. She doesn't have any insider info from from what right. she knows, but she frequently is aghast uh, at at the way things get reported and the way the science get gets kind of bastardized in the yeah. in the in the media. So, no, it was captivating yeah. to her too. <clears throat> my mom is in the science field, uh, has been for a really long time. So, like this. I mean, I've always been taught to kind of think a very specific way based on that, you know, uh, and uh, it's something I don't really share a lot, but I've, I've often been told to kind of look at things through this sort of lens of like logic. And uh, I think we all have, but 
specifically the scientific sort of elements that, mm-hmm. that the lies that can be kind of given to you if you don't question them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of what this is in, inferring that really the culture that we've created collectively, I mean, has kind of led to some of the things happening that are happening now. I want I want to agree with the collectively, but let's admit there's one side that has yeah, gone a bit yeah, more anti-science yes. than the other. Yeah, uh, absolutely on this. right. And man. it's one of the reasons why I'm truly terrified of uh, of people who who I'll say God I'll say it I'm just say terrified it. of anybody who wants say to vote it. for Trump. I, I don't understand yeah. why you oh, did yeah. it. I don't yeah. know why you did it four years ago if you did it. But I I could maybe hear an argument for why someone would have done that, even though Trump was an idiot and an incompetent narcissist and we knew it we knew it before 2016 but we definitely know it now that guy is is, i mean everything he says is a lie and he just makes shit up and you find out in this documentary that like the people behind the scenes don't either don't know what's going on or they're there to sort of obfuscate and put forth an agenda more so than to seek out what's the real method out of this mess and so it was always political for 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 trump the, throwing out Obama, uh, the, the the plan they left for pandemic response, throwing that out was just because Obama's name was on it. There's yeah, so much yeah. about this current administration that is petty and venal and small minded. And the situation we're in right now as a country is largely due to their ineptitude and their greed. Um at this point. And there aren't that many politicians in that administration. It's a lot of people who are, who've got their hands in your pockets and have figured out how to make a profit. And anytime Trump seems like he's doing the right thing, you can count on it. He's, he's figured out a way to make a buck off of seeming like he's doing the right thing. That guy doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. And, uh, God, I hope, uh, God, I hope he goes down. There we go. Yep. There it was. Yeah. Um, you know, this is handled in a way that just is fact-based. And, you know, just the events that happened and the people that were around to, to, to have it, to see it, it occur, which was very helpful. Because so, I, I have a problem with generally like 90% of the documentaries that come out now, mostly because the benefit of them to, to me, when, when documentaries were presented to me, they were, they were used as a means to educate, you know, as a means to kind of be like, hey, this is something you did not know. Here it is, right? And so this kind of serves a purpose that, you know, we talked about, you know, and and for other documentaries where it just kind of plops down the facts and you're, you're forced to process them in a way that you haven't been able to do it in our current media stream of bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have just the events, just the events. It is incredible. It's liberating almost. Yeah. And also frustrating at the same time. It's exhausting when you realize, oh, my God, they've been going into this detail. And it's like and then the the date will come up on the screen and you'll be like, they're not even to March yet. You know, like in terms of the timeline of this movie. Um, But no, what's his name? Rick Bright is a really uh, compelling interview because that guy, you feel it in his soul. He he wants to do what's right for people. and, And it was hurting him to be part of this obfuscation. And I'm again, I'm you know, I read and I read. That guy is very sincere. I think sometimes whistleblowers, uh, they have to have a courage uh, that is that is a little bit different because you can be ruined. You could truly be destroyed uh, for yeah. stepping out of line like that. But he couldn't take it anymore, you know, and I think I he mean, comes I've, off pretty well in the doc. I've only really seen something similar to this in like the vow, the idea that like, you know, you they will use whatever information they have 
and destroy you with it when you leave. And mm -hmm. I've, I've never seen an administration do that sort of thing to a person when they leave. Like it's it, if somebody's just like, I don't agree with you, they're fired immediately. If they do something against protocol and, and that protocol is just someone's just whatever fucking he doesn't like. Right. It's 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 infuriating. It's an infuriating but necessary documentary. It felt so. Did you feel nervous about seeing watching it? I almost had. to. I, yeah, I kind of had to be like, all right, am I ready for this? But then once I yeah. got into it, I, I was I was I mean, it was, you know, I, I shout at the screen a lot. Like <laughs> if debates <laughs> yeah. are on, I shout at the screen a lot. So I was kind of shouting at the screen during this one, too. But uh, no. It, it, and, and yeah, just seeing it laid out and again, stuff, you know, but you haven't you, the story, the order of events. It's interesting to see um whatever impression you have might be fortified by something you watch. But I feel like this documentary really does like maybe someone who's on the fence or maybe someone, I don't know the people who don't buy into the science they're, they're lost already. Right. Is anyone going to watch a, a movie like this and be convinced Ronald? Or do you think this is a weird form of preaching to the converted, no matter how good it is? I, I don't know, man. I, I think if somebody has an open mind, but, but the problem is, open-mindedness is not really correlated with his administration or anybody that follows it because it is very inconsiderate of race. Uh, political views that differ from, from theirs, all that stuff is kind of anti whatever that, whatever his administration represents. So someone coming in means that they almost have to wash themselves of whatever it is that he present represents to sit down and watch this movie with a, with an eye that feels like I could take some of this in mm -hmm. and, and maybe I, you know, maybe some of it is biased. Sure. Right. But it's, 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 it's one of those things. And I know that Steve was super excited to see it. He kind of showed me the trailer, you know, showed us the trailer. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I was, I don't use this word very often. I was triggered. And, um, Steve, I want to know how you felt about it, man. You've been kind of quiet over there. I don't and, think he and... saw it. <clears throat> no, I, oh, you, I, didn't, I, you, I, you didn't see it yet. No, 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 no. I have not watched it yet, Steve. but I, mean, I, I, I have no doubt. Yeah. That I'll be in agreement with both of you. I mean, I love Alex Gibney. I love a lot of his films that he's made. He's a, I think he's like one of the masters right now of documentary right. filmmaking. Um, I had the privilege of meeting him um, and working with him back when I had my old job. Um, when he released Enron, the Enron doc. And Smartest Guys in the Room, was that him? Yeah. Now, yeah that's yeah. another one. I think about that doc all the time in terms of a situation I heard about on the news and I thought I kind of understood it. And then I saw that yeah. movie and I was like, okay, now I understand now, what was happening. Right. And all those yeah. little headlines you heard, they suddenly fell into place in a way that made sense. So yeah, I think he's just, he's got a, he's he's just got so a good, good touch with it. Yeah, he's good at laying out, the, like you guys said at the beginning, like he's really just fact-driven and like, you know, trying to be... You know, he's got a viewpoint. He's got an idea of what he wants to say and where he falls in this conversation with all these movies. And some of them are up for debate, you know, and where you well, not really even up for debate. Some of them are divisive in terms of right. where That's good somebody might watch it and agree or disagree. But, you know, a lot of his films, you know, that Taxi to the Dark Side, Going Clear, which is like one of the best docs I've seen in a while. Yeah, going Clear. Uh, about Scientology, like very similar to what you mentioned about the Val, Ronald. That doc has that same feeling yeah. in terms of what that organization, what that leadership would do to, you know, kind of shutter people to believe a only one thing. And if you didn't, like kind of what the consequences were. Um but yeah, I mean, he's just one of the one of one of the uh, one of the best out there for me when it comes to docs. And he's doing he does so much like he's got 
uh, you know, a doc series on Netflix. He's got a doc series coming out, I think, on HBO or Showtime about like the Russian involvement in the election. Like he's just all over the place producing and making shit. And um, this one specifically is just oh, man. Yeah, triggering seems like a good word. I mean, like I watched the trailer and like you just kind of go right up, boil up immediately. And you're yeah. just like how like you both have been saying how how can you not understand this? Like how I don't like you saying that, John, like I agree with you. Like if you don't believe the science, I don't know if this how this will even if you say you're open minded, if you're if you don't believe the science, I don't understand how right. you watching this would, would make you change your mind. But there may be some people who may be in that middle area. Um, hopefully, you know, this may be a bit a bit eye opening, but I hope it finds that audience. Most importantly, um, not just the people who would seek this kind of thing out anyway, uh, like us. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to see it, though. It, I mean, it, to be completely honest with you. Um, Thank God. I, finally. I, I, yeah. I worked in D.C. kind of right before everything hit. And there was this urgency to work from home that I did not understand. I, and I know, I know now based on everything that people had a little more information than I thought. And it, it scares the living fuck out of me. How, like I'm talking about like, uh, without mentioning any names or anything or organization, there was a point where like, people were like, I need to, I need to work from home just in case something happens. And I'm like, you just want to work from home a little more. No, I need to work from home. And it kept happening over and over and over. And I was like, this has to be related to whatever it is that I'm hearing on TV. And yeah. I talked to my mom about it. And she's in the science field. And it just, things just started to put themselves together. I didn't want to talk to anybody quite as directly about it mm -hmm. when it happened, mostly because it was, it seemed like the messaging was being more clear to people that were paying attention. I'll put mm -hmm. it like that. So this this scares the shit out of me when I think about everything that people may have known and what they chose not to tell us. And that's just in my in my circle and my work environment and in your work environment. And, and just that scares me, man. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, when you watch this movie and you get to the part where they go into Jared Kushner's like uh task force that he was supposed to be putting together and you hear how that was actually run and you hear what actually happened there i i feel like it's going to infuriate you you know the part like, i'm talking about ronald when that yes. when that kid is talking about what he was brought like the volunteer yes. talking about what they had them doing yeah oh, oh my god the idea that somebody could see could see a book and i mean this isn't related to exactly related to that part and like what is it obama did it Get this shit out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, ca I cannot I know. call it something else. Yeah. And the call documentary does else. not make it sound like Obama was perfect either. They point no, out the no, areas no. where he fell short. That's another thing that kind of lends credence to the facts of the thing is that they're not saying that Obama handled yeah. everything perfectly or that that administration handled everything perfectly. They're saying that there was at least like an adult in charge who was trying to do things, you know, versus yes. someone who just will say whatever in any situation. 
and it doesn't matter if it's got any connection to the facts. And they actually confirmed something in this documentary, too, that that I've always suspected. Those Would times you? when Trump like says some crazy thing where you can tell maybe he got briefed and then he heard what he wanted to hear. And then that got turned into something yeah. that was even more self-flattering. And he spits yeah. that out. And I, I, I just always know, like, there's somebody rushing behind the scenes right now to get somebody to like, could you write up a report that at least supports something? of what the president said. So if, if we get asked at a, you know, we can actually say, well, this is where we got that fact from, or this is where we got that right. fact from, because the people in the administration don't like admitting, oh no, he just pulled that out of his ass and now we all have to live or die by it. You know, no one wants yeah. to admit yeah, that. Totally. But the fact that they're actually ginning up facts, quote unquote facts behind the scenes to support the nonsense that he said or seeking out the data or the, the evidence that's going to point, that's going to support him, not the evidence that's going to help people or that's going to get us closer to a cure or that's going to anything. It, it's crazy. It's crazy how much propping up of that yeah. empty husk of a man has been done and how, how destructive it's been to our country. And this year yeah. is the perfect storm of what that looks like when someone is hoping to coast to the election on the back of the economy doing well. And then here comes this thing that hurts the economy. And it made it made our infant leader pretty mad that his, his, his good economy was getting messed up and everything he's done since then has been an attempt to save face from that. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And, right. and, and there's, there's always been the argument that the messaging has changed from the scientists and anybody that has ever been in one science class knows is that if it changes, it's not an exact science, right? Science is not an exact science, but it's science not. is not an exact. Well, it's, it's like not. you also you change you change based on new information. That's what science is. Well, look, well, look. The fact that things have been updated, the fact that people are understanding that there are different strains, and that it, people thought that it was just contacted one way. The fact that they're finding out more things and updating it is a good thing. If it were just like, hey don't do this, stay away from people and didn't instruct people to put masks on or anything like that, or it hadn't been updated is an indication that no one was really trying to look into this further beyond what, what they initially found out. Right. So right. there's something to that, but look, man, I, I think that we need to start shaming people when they say stupid things. I think there's like this, this, this whole narrative that we, we, we have to treat people kindly or no, shame them. If they say something stupid that is not based in any fact, shame them because it could be the difference between life or death. I, I you know, maybe I'm even person, for them, maybe even yes, for the person yes. who's saying it. Yeah. I'm a person with pre a pre-existing condition that could kill me if I come in contact with the right strain of COVID. And I can tell you that if an idiot comes near me without a mask, I will punch them in the face. And I, I, I will. I, I have no problem with it. I have no problem. And, and if somebody tries to get around somebody in my family that does it, I will try to hit you with with the you know the furthest thing to me, probably my foot. Ronald, Ronald, that might be good for the podcast. I know I sound like I know I sound like a cynical capitalist, but if you make the news for punching somebody for not wearing a mask. I'm telling you, man, like it, it's, my, it's, I could be on CNN talking about your character. Like we need merch. I need a movie movie t-shirt to wear on CNN when they call me. I, I, I am no, so John, I remember the hoodies were on order. Oh, Didn't we right. order hoodies? Yes. Yeah. It's on the list. <laughs> we got to stop doing this to, to, to stupid people, man. We got to stop treating people that are stupid and, and giving stupid information out. I could not, but man, some of the things I've heard while just walking around Baltimore 
are—they drive me nuts. I just like maybe you should just type it out <laughs> on your phone. Look it up. This guy. There's a lot. Okay, this is the last thing I'm gonna say. You're talking about looking it up on the fake media. Fake. Look, oh know. yeah, the liberal media. Yeah. God damn, I didn't think about that. People that are covering their noses up and just covering their mouths up when they wear the masks out. It's but Ronald, they can't breathe. I know. God, come on, man. So, long story short, it is a very good documentary. I, you know, regardless of whether you feel like the liberal media has planted this thing in order to destroy, <laughs> to destroy Trump's chances of winning. <laughs> God, man. Uh, yeah, I think shame stupid people. Suggest this to as many people as you can, because, you know, again, doc documentaries really do serve a good purpose, if, if especially if they have a bunch of information that you may not have seen altogether, right. which can yeah. help you have a have a further view than you would, may have had while, while you're watching the news, because a lot of people may feel like I'm watching the news. I'm living this. I know what it is. You have no idea if you have the context of this stuff and the order of events. And, and you haven't the, seen this story told this way. Before. Yes, you I, I, you absolutely have not. It's impossible. You have not. So right down to the, the last words you see on the screen before the credits roll, which are sort of like an addition. They got in like after they like they finished the film a couple of weeks ago. And then they had to add a little card to the end of the film, <laughs> you know, like yeah. this is about as current as it could be. And even that it's, they still, you know, some shit happened after they, they finished editing that they had to, they had to put a little sentence at the end. So no, it's, it's, I mean, it's the world we're living in right now, but I think in 20 years, 30 years, this documentary could be just as impactful in terms of a historical document because people are going to be talking about right now, 2020 this year, this is going to be, this is a, this is a year that, everybody's going to remember and not for good reasons, you know? Yeah. What a weird, what a weird existence. Yes. <laughs> God. Huh. But it's worth checking out, man. Yeah. Long story short. Yeah. So it's out there VOD right now. And then if you're, if you, if you can wait, it'll be, uh, it'll be on Hulu actually next Tuesday. So it's got a week window when VOD and then Hulu next week. So check it out, everybody. But I would say, like, definitely do it when you, you know, when you, when you're amongst friends, perhaps, maybe when you, when you feel rested. I wouldn't say do it when you feel particularly good because it could, it could put a damper on things. <laughs> it can, but, man. but you kind of need to sit down and just buckle in because once it gets its hooks in you, you're going to be sucked into this story and being like, oh my god, I, can't, you know, like we've yeah. said, it, it definitely is something you've been thinking about every day that you still didn't quite have this picture of it yet. So yeah, and this. This look like innovation that they kind of created in the middle of it. This kind of COVID kit that they were sending yeah. people to film this is incredible, man. Like, yeah. this is this may change the course of how the documentaries are kind of filmed. So, yeah. So let's move on to the last movie that we're covering. Uh, this is a new movie called Bad Hair, and um, who's the writer director? It's um, Justin Simi. Justin Simi. Simi. Yeah. And of Dear White People. Yes, uh, which is what you might know him from. And this is another movie that fits into that vein of like it's it's got racial themes. It's got it's got a lot going on in it, but it uses a in this case of a, a very specific genre uh, element of being a horror film, kind of almost like a like a monster movie and a slasher movie all at once. 
to 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 comment on some stuff. I, I got to say the opening scenes of this movie where we have um, this young black woman and she's in an audition with these two white guys. And I was just thinking how 2020 it is that the white guys don't even have to act overtly racist or say anything grossly racist for the filmic language. To, just the fact that she's in a room and she's auditioning for two white guys, just the visual language of that made yeah. me think about uh, you know, and again, it's it's a good thing for a 47-year-old white man to be thinking about all the microaggressions that a black person has to deal with constantly. And, I, you know, the movie definitely goes to different places from there. But right off the bat, I was going like, man, it's so funny that this this is a climate that we're in right now where you, you see that and you just know, like, you know what I mean? Like you're watching yeah. for all the little clues and all the little hints that this situation is stacked against her, even if the people are being friendly. Um, and I just that was that was the mood I was in at the beginning. And of course, it you know, it it gets deeper and wilder and sillier and in in some ways goofier and scarier or whatever you want to say from there. But that opening bit, you know, I was right in the mindset of this uh, this protagonist from the beginning of just like, what are you going to do to succeed in a system that is already stacked against you? You know? Yeah, I mean, this this movie felt like I don't know, like if if you, I, I you guys have kind of gotten me into like body horror and things like that. I think about some of the the movies that I was kind of exposed to while while recording this podcast, The Thing, and um, just movies that are a lot more into body horror than anything, and and. They make you cringe. There's there's at least a couple yeah, moments where yeah. you go, ugh. You just, yes. Yeah, at that just, happening to somebody. I, I honestly enjoyed this movie a lot. There's something about this that felt very like 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, because it was filmed in the 90s, but the style of it. And, it was set in uh, the 90s. Uh, yeah, set, it was set in the 90s. Um, there's this movie, Death by Temptation, I remember watching as a kid. Um, that was just everything that I loved about 90s films. It was the soundtrack and... The use of the practical effects, it just did everything right for me. Bad Hair just felt like one of those movies that, that was along those lines. I really enjoyed it, man. What'd you think, Steve? I liked it. I mean, I felt like I felt like I really liked the first half of it, and then it kind of tonally lost me a little bit, like kind of where it goes towards the end. And that I mean, it's a kind of a low budget movie. So I don't know if that's kind of some because of some limitations there. With some of the special effects i mean i do appreciate that a lot of it was practical and, and watching some interviews with justin it does seem like they tried to do a lot of it practically mainly because of the budget that they had but um i was really kind of interested in some of the the setup for like this uh this story that she kept reading in the book um and it kind of comes in and out in the in the second half of the film but it, it kind of i feel like it gets a little messy towards the end mm -hmm. uh, in terms of of how they want to expose that or how they want to show what's actually happening um, I did think, you know, some of the some of the comedy was pretty funny, actually, and like worked really well. But I think, again, that balance uh, in the second half was lost a little bit for me. Um, great cast. Um, I don't know how Blair Underwood still looks so good. Um, I love Blair Underwood. I've always been a big fan. And again, uh, through my prior job, I got to hang out with him for a movie he did that we did something here in Baltimore for uh, called G. Um, and just a really cool guy and I, I'm, I'm a big fan and you know he's not a big role in this movie but 
his what he's in uh, i think he's really great and uh i don't understand how he still looks so good but well he's, um, he's wearing he's wearing his hair gray which is like that, that that's so it, it has I, the I think that's of it. like a young boy yeah. wearing like he, <laughs> wearing yeah like he, but i mean yeah he's yeah he just he's great I'm, i just yeah. i love seeing him pop up and stuff here and there but that's a, that's a big asset for this movie is that a lot of like really great uh performance like a lot of really great actors and actresses like kind of pop up for a couple scenes yeah here nicole byers really funny in a movie. In a <laughs> yeah Super, yeah it's great uh lena waith is in it mm-hmm. um even like james vanderbeek has a couple scenes james vanderbeek um, is great i honestly thought there'd be more with him but he's yeah, totally too. playing that character to the hilt like he's mastered that sort of like yeah self-effacing kind of sleaze factor that he can bring to a role because he knows people yeah. think of him as dawson so i think he's been he's one of those guys who has a, uh, an iconic role that he can just act against that role for the rest of his career and it, it it's Absolutely. got some juice to it but um yeah no i'm trying to think who else was in it that was pretty good like, uh, just like jay, just uh, jay farrow jay farrow very, Usher, very funny in it uh kelly Rollins. uh i don't know it, it's a lot of like smaller roles but they pop up a couple times here and there and they're they're really fun and they're you know they're good i, I like that kind of that energy that it bounces around with in this in this you know studio this entertainment studio this network and the dynamics of it um, and what this element uh, brings to the mix that, that once she, once she has this done and that scene actually is, I think the best scene in the movie, like when she goes through, you know, having the, the, the weave set it, uh, yeah. it, wow. Like that, that's some cringe inducing body yeah. horror shit. But. And it's just like pain that people put themselves through for real. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, 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 that's legitimate. And like passing out when you having it done, like, you know, I've, I've heard people tell me that before and like, yeah, that is wild and that that stuff is really really interesting but the sound design did you notice like yeah trying crap. to make it seem painful the sound of the hair is this like yeah. i mean let's we, we haven't really talked much about like the satire part of this is that it's like a horror movie where where basically a person gets like an evil weave you know basically so that <laughs> yeah. is that's like yeah. the satire part but based on what i was saying and it's kind of related to an interesting tonal thing that you mentioned steve the first half versus the second the second half is goofy the yeah. second half yeah. gets it, it maybe takes off it takes on too much from a from a narrative standpoint to really make it all stick together. The first part, I was like, they say this is a satire, but and I know that possessed hair is 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 a satire. Like I know that that's inherently gonna lead to some goofy place where there's someone in their hair is fighting people or whatever. Yeah. But that notion of the kind of cultural baggage that I was talking about from the very outset yeah. of like this woman being a black woman trying to make her way in this world in a system that's stacked against her, the things she has to do that are both like an affront and an erasure of her blackness in a way, but also like part of blackness is to contend with this issue of, of what you do with your hair. You know what I mean? Like there's this thing of like the pain you're talking about from that scene, Steve, it's real. Like that is body horror and that's not that far from reality. And I think that I was like, this isn't a satire. This is just a plain old, this is like plain old, unsettling commentary body horror as it goes along it does become more jokey and more satirical and more like well this is the jokey movie you might have expected when you heard evil hair but um yeah but yeah i mean the opening part right through that scene i was i mean like yeah i was squirming in my seat when she was actually getting that procedure done it it sounded it it sounded painful it looked painful i don't know yeah it it was i you know it to get into that is would get to talk about this thing for like an hour, but yeah, there there is, it does a really cool job of talking about those pressures and you know having a fiance that went natural a couple years ago that just decided she didn't want to 
process her hair in that way um and how liberated she felt and um you know just she she (laughs) seeing this her watching this movie develop was nuts because she's like i remember that it didn't feel (laughs) that bad but it was bad oh god this is you know it's just it, it was really cool man and um i think what's what's really good about movies like this is like get out mm-hmm. there's a there's two levels to it right there's just the events that happen and then what they represent for the people that are that are being uh, portrayed in this film yeah. so like that to me is a gift that keeps on giving and I, you know I, i'll probably watch this a couple times in in the years to come and I'll suggest it for as many people as I can. And um, yeah, it, it, you're right. It it did have some narrative issues on the second second part. And I I was really curious about that book and what it what it meant for right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that story was so cool. I kind of wish there was some more play with that that really powerful <laughs> uh, story that really kind of defined the actions of the evil hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the idea of what what taking somebody else's hair means like yeah even just the, the the psychological idea of being like i'm gonna put someone else's hair into my head it's just incredibly powerful man and the resolution of where that goes like in the final moments it's i find that final scene incredibly creepy where yes. where you sort of see the the other side of this operation like but right. but it came after so much like i said kind of silly stuff that i do think tonally the movie it's like that's one thing that the first half does that the second doesn't. The first half is is genuinely unsettling and makes you think yeah. about real life stuff. The second half is much more like, well, let's deal with the supernatural ramifications of this story right. in a fun way. Um, and again, even within that, Steve, I, I didn't know what the budget was, but I do think they were. It was pretty inventive. Um, yeah, I just yeah. think there's certain things yeah. that can't be can't not be silly if you visualize yeah. them you know yeah, yeah. like two people true. whose hair seems to be fighting that's just that's gonna be silly that there's no way around it but if you go with the feel of the earlier part of the movie it's horrific what the character that we follow is going through so i still feel like i was feeling that part of it um but no an interesting an interesting movie so i, I would still recommend no it. totally I, mean, I, I i enjoyed watching it and, and again like kind of like rana was saying like it's a really easy kind of like fun fun watch it's fun. like it, 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 it it's fun. it's a it's a good watch and i mean you know i think the idea of it you know coming to hulu and you know being available through their streamer like streaming service it's like there's no reason if you if you if you have a hulu membership even if you got it to watch this i would check this out i mean because like there's kind of like a lot of really fun inventive different kind of horror coming out in 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 this time of the year and you know all the platforms have their different kinds of movies like whether it's some of the anthologies that they're putting out on Amazon or even on Hulu. We've talked about a couple of them on this podcast, but you know, to have a feature like this and Justin has a following. I mean, the, the dear white people series on Netflix, I think is going to be coming out with its fourth and final season. That's a great show. I kind of like the series more than the movie personally, Mm -hmm. but um, I, I think it's cool that, you know, this is the kind of movie that you can kind of just easily watch, have fun with. There's a lot of context, some, you know, some, some sub subtext to it that you guys have discussed. That's there. I only wish that some of it in the in that tie, like to the scene you mentioned, John, towards the end, tied a little tighter to no, the first half of the movie. Yeah. I think that really would have elevated this movie to something. If it if it had been woven a little different, woven yeah, together, yeah, I think more tight term. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely still a recommend. I would. It was really fun to watch, and I mean, even just for like the the kind of craziness of like 
the ideas that they're having at this network of what what the future looks like in terms of media and music videos and shit like that. Mm-hmm. That's also just kind of fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just mentioning yeah, Anita it's, Baker. It's fun. Is, yeah, is right. a fun reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, um, but yeah, that comes out that, that that comes out next Friday on Hulu, right? Right, right Ronald. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The twenty third. Yeah, okay, cool. So definitely check that out when it comes and out. And thank you to those concerned for making it available to us in advance. That's another one that we were we were lucky to get a chance to see. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the great. Hulu reps, thank you so much. Um, you know, it's it's nice to be able to cover these things and talk to them, talk to our uh, listeners about them. In a timely manner. Yes, That's pretty right. cool. Yeah, definitely. Did you guys have anything else that you watched this week that you want to mention before we close out? I think that's... I want to recommend uh, The Wolf of... The Wolf of Snow the Hollow. Wolf of Snow Hollow. I want to recommend... That that? Me too. Yeah. Me too. Oh, yeah. What a fun, interesting... Oh my God. Disturbing slash hilarious movie and and the final... I didn't know we got another... I didn't know we had another Robert Forster performance in our in our future at all but this i think this is it this is the last one he had in the can before he passed but yep. what an interesting yep. i mean it's only in like an hour and 24 minutes it's not really a werewolf movie but it kind of is but it's much more about toxic masculinity and it deals with it in a in a way that is really engaging and interesting wouldn't you agree steve 100 <clears throat> percent agree love jim cummings um I love his approach to movie making. He, he's uh, most people maybe know him through the the Thunder Road short and and the feature that he kind of adapted from that. But he's just so excited about movie making, and he's always so positive on social media. And like I, I again, somebody that we champion on this podcast. Um, and this almost and feels like a companion piece to Thunder Road in a way. Like yeah, the character yeah. is playing, and, and it's not too far from that one, but it's a different and way he deals with it. Yeah, yeah different like, scenario. Just again, a good looking, a good looking like little indie. Oh, it looked great movie it looks really good man and i really liked it a lot and i had a lot of fun watching it um if anybody out there knows jim cummings like you know and and is a fan of thunder road the letterbox the app the the film platform for reviews they have a podcast i'd highly recommend seeking the podcast out that did just released earlier this week he was their guest this week um and he is just an amazing interview like i love hearing him talk about how much he loves making movies and he's just so open and just honest about like what he likes and doesn't like and how he makes movies. And, you know, we talk a lot about the process on the podcast. We've talked to some filmmakers. I'd love to, again, another person I'd love to talk to. That would be awesome. Yeah. uh, If he, if we would ever track him down, but he's so transparent about how he makes movies. um, And listening to him talk about making this one was one of the better things I've listened to in a, in in a, in a couple weeks, couple months, even um, from just like a production and, seeing it through kind of standpoint. His character is so angry, Ronald. There's I a know. scene where he's falling asleep researching in the library and the librarian Ooh. comes up to wake him up and he's he wakes up and says, fuck you! <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to the guy for waking him up. I got like, yeah, you know what? I got a cop with a gun in his pocket, on his holster, falls asleep in your library. You might not want to wake him up. Yeah, right. right. Especially if he's, you know, if he's want to scare him. Like, especially yeah. if he's just asked for all he's your spooky books. werewolves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to see it, man. I, I saw I think, that I think trailer. you'll dig it, Ronald. It's, you, you'll really yeah. like it. Oh, uh, I did want to mention Charm City Kings. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, HBO Max released um, a, a movie that was supposed to get uh, a theatrical release. Um, they picked it up. I, it's it's loosely based on the documentary 12 O'Clock Boys. Um, man, it's, it's a cool movie. Uh, the only issue that I have with it 
um, that most Baltimoreans will have with it is if you've heard the Baltimore accent, the main character, oh, Mouse, yeah. Yeah. Uh, played by Jahi Diallo Winston, is it's suspect, man. It's flimsy and it moves all around. Sometimes it sounds like a New Orleans accent. Sometimes it, but he's he doesn't really. Is, is he good? In, is he good in the film? Did you? What was the Netflix show that he was in? I, I'm not sure the show, the Netflix. I, I just remembered him from Queen and Slim, and and I did not like him in Queen and Slim. Okay, so if if you felt the way you did about him, he's kind of that tone. He's like, uh, uh, so here's the issue. Everybody's playing it kind of even. And mm-hmm. he's like Dave Shakespearean about it. Yeah, yeah. He's like dialed up on like, it. What do you mean I cannot ride the motorcycle, boy? It's like yeah. that. It's very strange, man. That's kind of what he was doing in Queen and Slim, too. Yes. Okay. Like during so the protest sequence. Like right, that. right, yeah. right. So you'll feel that way. But here's the thing. Even with that, the dynamic with all the characters still is so likable. He's not yeah, that yeah. bad. It's, everybody else is so good, including the rapper Meek Mill. Who plays uh, one of the kind of elder statesmen in the motorcycle mm-hmm. sort of community? It's really, really solid, man. It's a solid movie. Would you say so that? Say, the, the, would you say that that performance is is over the top as um, Salvatore Esposito on season four <laughs> of Fargo, <laughs> Fargo, <laughs> aka Eyeballs Man? Oh. <laughs> Almost, man. What is he doing in that show, by the way? I don't know. I just love how they're constantly like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really want to know sometimes, like, like, what the decision was made. Like, do, does the actor bring that in, and they go like, "Yeah, this is the tone of this show that you can do crazy stuff," or does does do, do they say now we need your character to seem like he's from another planet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like. Like uh, alien has inhabited this person's body, and he's just trying to act like a normal person in the world. <laughs> oh, what do you mean, you had to? Uh, and it's also like a, it's also very much like a. He's Italian, but it sounds like a like a impression. It sounds he sounds like yeah. Mario, like Mario from Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. So anyway, well, Nikki said something like, "This guy's not good at doing an Italian accent," and I was like, "Well, maybe you should tell Salvatore Esposito." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You tell him that. <laughs> he will punch you in the face. Oh man! But anyway, right. yeah, man. Uh, I want. I'm looking for. I, I can't wait. I, I'm. Twelve o'clock boys was really good, and I like just this this profile and the idea that it was adapted. So I'm I'm excited to see it. I, I just got to carve out some time, check it out. Yeah, man. There's so much content right now. Was ba- and did Barry co-write that? Yeah, Barry co-wrote Fr- it. Friend of the pod, Barry. Barry Jenkins, by, by, the, by the By the way, we have to get that. I would love to interview him. I think we'd have a really good time with him. He seems like a good interview. Yeah, he seems like a very cool guy. Yeah. Like, good good conversationist. Actually, I have a, a two degrees sort of thing with him. So I'm... Okay. It's possible. You know? Let's make that happen, man. It's possible that I try to least... get him. Be- try to get him before he directs the Lion yeah, I know, King. So once he becomes yes. a Disney guy, then they're, 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 yeah. he's not going to be allowed to say out anything. of this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of this yeah. world. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, okay. so Charm City Kings HBO Max, Wolf of Snow Hollow is on on the, just the VOD platforms. Um, totally under controls VOD right now. Going to Hulu next week, and then what else are we talking about? Bad Hair comes out next Friday on Hulu. And Haunting of Bly Manor is on Netflix now. Right now. Oh. All nine episodes. That's, we've if done you, it. We've covered yeah. uh, an S load of things. Yeah, if that's a measurement. Things. An S load. So S-load. We, we've covered quite Got a it. bit. 
Cool. You guys have anything else you want to mention before we head out? No. So movieshmovie.com is the site. We have a couple really exciting episodes coming up uh, in the couple, in the coming weeks. And there's some, you know, a lot of releases coming up that we're excited to talk about in general. So um, we'll be talking about On the Rocks next week, uh, Apple TV Plus original movie um, with Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. Uh, so that's excited to talk about that. I'm excited to see that. Have, yeah. We haven't seen it yet. We will see it by by the time we do the next podcast. Um, but yeah, the site, moviesmovie.com. Make sure you subscribe to the feed uh, on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you're listening through one of the posts on Facebook, anything like that, that's also great. Comment on it. Tell us what you think of the episode. And, you know, if that's your preferred way, still go to a podcast app. Find one. Subscribe. Help us. You know, the, the numbers help. Um, if you need help uh, doing that, we, t- you know, basically all of us have technical support backgrounds so we can help you find a podcast platform that best suits your needs yeah. where you can find a uh, movie schmovie. Uh, we, we, we're there for you if you need that, too. Um, but, yeah, we'll see you next week. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.